I was going to break up with Ariana regardless. But you didn't. You f***ed your best friend instead. You're a worm with a mustache. I don't give a to the Gospel of Vanderpump Rules. I'm Lauren. And I'm Mallory. And this is season 11, episode two, The Ultimate Betrayal. We're back and we are ready to get into this episode. Yeah. But first, I found out through Insta. So Mal and I have known each other since childhood. We we met when Mal was in seventh grade and I was in eighth grade. Is that right, Mal? That's right. Yeah. So we mentioned this on our first pod, but we met by going to the same church. Don't worry. We're no longer church girls. We're former church girls. But um, I learned, even though I've known Mal for all these years, that Mal went to Sir in 2019 and I had no idea. So I have to hear the story. We saved this for the pod, so I can't wait to hear how the hell Mal ended up at Sir in 2019. Because, spoiler alert, we both live in Texas, and I've never, I mean, I've been to LA many times, but I've never done the VPR tour of restaurants. So I've never been to Sir, never been to Tom Tom, never been to, you know, Pump R.I.P., so yeah, I got to hear how this this happened and what it was like. Yeah, well, I used to live in New York City and I worked in the film industry back in the day. And I was working on uh, The Woman in the Window at the time, just to like name drop a little bit. Um, so my boss, Alexis, who's also my friend, we went out to LA because they were mixing at the time. I can't even remember. We went out to LA for something for a preview and at JFK, I see none other than Tom Sandoval and Ariana waiting what? in line to go through security. And Sandoval had sunglasses on, obviously. Oh and I, like breezed through TSA pre-check. They didn't even have pre-check, which is shocking. Wow. What are the odds? Like right when you, right when you're actually going to LA and you're about to go to Sur, like what are the odds that you see Tom and Ariana? That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like nervous the whole time I was at the airport because I kept seeing them. Like I, and I was like, do I go, you know, say hi? What do I do? And I was very starstruck. And of course, this is very, this is pre-Scandival. So at the time, I felt overall positive toward Tom Sandoval. And I think probably looking back because of Ariana, figure out that they're on my flight because they're waiting at the same gate as me. And so oh then God. I'm just really nervous and I don't know what to do. And I keep feeling like I need to say something but I don't. And then 
they boarded in like the first class boarding uh, section. So I knew I would pass them in the plane to get to my seat because I was not first class. <laughs> and um, yeah, Fox wouldn't pay uh, to fly me first class out to LA. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to say something. And I knew that it, they were in New York for Ariana's cocktail book because I followed them on Instagram. There we go. They had just released the fancy AF cocktails then. Yes. Okay. And and to clarify too, because I got confused because I'm thinking Texas, but you're saying you're flying from New York Correct. to LA. I'm sure everybody else got that, but that's like just clicking for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're flying from New York to LA and they're on that flight. Yes. Yep. Yeah. JetBlue. Shout out. So <laughs> sponsor I, us, JetBlue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a wonderful coach experience. <laughs> uh, so I I pass them. They're like in the front row when I get onto the plane, and I didn't know for sure where they would be, but I was like geared up to say something, and I think I probably spoke like a hundred times too fast and completely inarticulately. I was like, hey, I just want to say, like, I I feel like from their POV, they just saw this crazed woman just suddenly <laughs> pop out from, like, the cockpit area. Oh my but I was like, hey, I just want to say, like, congrats on the cocktail book. I love you guys. And then I just, like, ran oh. away, like, ran down the aisle. Oh Not my really, God. but it felt like I did. Everything felt like it just kicked into high gear. It was like James Kennedy on a double espresso. And they were so, they were really sweet. They were like, thank you so much. You know, I, I stayed long enough to see Ariana do that. And then I was kind of like embarrassed and didn't want to bother them. So I was like, cool, you know, like, like I said, like, enjoy your flight or something and, and left them alone. Uh, And then I saw them at baggage claim. We were all waiting for luggage, like kind of near each other, which was bizarre. I didn't think I would be so starstruck by VPR people at that time, but I really was. And then I told everyone about it when I got to LA because our a lot of our team, our edit team, was out there together. Um, yeah. But then there was one night we were kind of done with work, and my boss and I went to dinner at uh this restaurant called Gracias Madre in LA, and we were with one other person who I don't quite remember why she was with us but she lived in LA and she was into VPR and she she Mm. was like we're right next to sir so it was like uh we're gonna go there after dinner and because you know because it's my boss like I wasn't the most assertive person with her often yeah and uh yeah anyway but I in this moment I was like we are we are going, we are doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alexis was very tired and not very into it, but, <laughs> but she came, she came with me anyway. And that's, you know, you can see it on my Insta, my personal Insta, um, the footage of us walking up to <laughs> Sir and me being like, there it is. <laughs> uh, and it was really exciting to see it. It was really fun, but we got, we sat at the bar and they- did you get goat cheese balls and did you get a pump teeny? That's what I have to know. 
I really fucked up because I think I, I think what I got was like a well tequila soda with like lime. I mean, I think maybe I was like trying not to eat anything unhealthy or like drink like a sugary drink or something. Like I was in a phase of doing that. So Mm. and my drink was, as you can imagine, really bad. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But and there was no one there. Like it was fairly empty, which was bizarre. And then they were playing episodes of Vanderpump Rules on a TV screen behind the bar. Oh God, it was weird. That's so weird. It was very weird. Um, but then again, you're kind of like, well, that kind of tracks like with yes. the whole brand of Sir and VPR. Uh, but yeah, we were sitting in that bar that's right by where James Kennedy does his DJ sets. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a very, it's very self aggrandizing, you know, it's like, of course they would be playing episodes of VPR at the restaurant and, you know, let, let's be real. We, I have not heard the best things about the food quality, about the drinks, about the service, et cetera, which really makes me think about pump closing, which we see in this episode And we'll get to that, but, you know, pump closing after 10 years and I I don't know if the service or the food or the atmosphere was any better at pump than, than any of the other (laughs) Vanderpump restaurants, but there, there is some, you know, rumor mill out there and some dish out there about the reason for pump actually closing which I find really interesting. And the I'll have to find the, the great Bravo account who posted this and we'll repost it to our Insta stories. So if you're not following us, please do at Gospel of VPR on Insta. But there was a, a, an interesting story that I saw of the, I think it was like the landlord um, or whoever is, you know, owning, owns the property at pump saying, you know, basically correcting Lisa Vanderpump that the, the, the real estate guy, the landlord was saying that it, it wasn't an issue of the, the rent that they were more than willing to work with Lisa and Ken on the rent and that they, they had even forgiven some of the back rent that they were due and so I don't know. I think it's a it's a kind of an interesting story. I think that Lisa does this a lot. I, th- I think there's kind of a lot of like hidden things at work. So maybe the story that we're getting about why Pump closed is not the real story. But who knows? That's all alleged. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, it surprises me that pump is the place that's closing I actually just feel like sir seems like it would be the first to go but it's so tied to the show's brand maybe that's I don't know I don't really understand how Lisa does business no I mean but she's obviously super successful as far as and maybe it's all these other endeavors you know housewives the show obviously she's She's doing this new spinoff, the Villa thing, um, Vanderpump Villa that's coming out. So I'm sure so much money comes from that. I don't know how successful 
the restaurants actually are, you know? Good point. What did we, what did we think about this episode? I, you know, I really liked it. I feel like so many people are, are being really hard on VPR. And I think the expectation is too high. I think we mentioned this on last week's pod, but there's no way that we can sustain the energy of, of Scandaval and we shouldn't. It's not mentally or emotionally healthy for anybody. Amen. So I, yeah, I think the expectations are way too high on what this season should be, what it could be. And I, you know what I always go back to is every single time I turn VPR on, I have fun watching it. And I really can't say that for a lot of Bravo shows. Now, we have also weathered some storms with VPR. If you guys remember season eight, you know, there there have been some uh, some real uh, bummer, snoozy, sleepy seasons that were tough to get through. But I would say, you know, when I turn it on and I hear the music and I, I see our people, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm having fun. What did you think? Yeah, I also have fun watching it, even if it's like not as exciting of an episode. I did feel like this episode, by and large, there were big moments like the Toms meeting up. We haven't seen that yet. You know, we haven't seen those conversations between them yet on the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I felt like this was a lot of filler. I felt like the pump closing party. I understand why we need that bit of information, but we've spent so much time comparative to other things that it really did feel like they were trying to fill time in this episode. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. It does make me feel nervous that this season is just going to be all retrospect. Like it's just people trying to capitalize on Scandaval and, or processing through it, you know, as, as some of these people should be doing, but I'm just curious, like what new stuff is going to come in. And I felt by the end of the episode, I felt like I wanted a little bit more new drama so I'm just waiting for yeah. that. I think it's yeah. coming, but it it's just like, and again, I agree. I'm still having so much fun watching it and these real moments that pop off the screen, which we'll talk about, um, I were really interesting. I wonder what we're actually going to get because in the, in the age of social media too, where, you know, we not only were we like so entrenched in all of the scandal news while it was happening, but there's, it's hard to really tease anything new, if that makes sense, because we've seen so it's like, we already know the beats. We already know the headlines. We already know, you know, we heard long ago that, Tom and Rachel were sending mail to each other. You know, we we've heard the beats of this story when it was unfolding. Right. In real time through social media, through all the headlines, through all of the news coverage. And now it's like we are seeing it 
be played back for us. And, and we're seeing the filming of that, but it's difficult when you already know kind of the beats of what is coming, if that makes sense. You know, it's so I know that they probably desperately tried to keep some stuff under wraps because of this very reason. You know, it's like we we did in the trailer, which we'll get to, we in the trailer for the season, we did see who we now know is Tori, Sheena's babysitter. Yes. <gasps> yes. Like, so we, but we saw Tori, we just didn't know it was her, but we saw Tori in the trailer already, you know, and, and they're trying to tease like, oh, this, this Tori girl is going to make out with both Katie and Schwartz. That's new and interesting. Right. And they're like trying to like hook us with something. And so I, I don't have high hopes for the new, like quote, the new stuff that we're, we're really going to get. I think we are going to just by and large, and maybe I'll be wrong and I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I think by and large, we are just going to retrospectively be looking back at what Scandaval was like for everybody and the fallout of it. But I still am finding it interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Same. Okay. I, I'm just, it's so distracting how not well Sandoval looks to me. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah. That man needs a spray tan and a spray tan would really do him good. Anne gets a real oh, featured Anne. role in this episode and I just could not believe her job. And I actually, do you feel like it's difficult to criticize Ariana at all because there's really not much to criticize and I totally was on her side with everything she was saying in terms of it being at Tom but I really felt for Anne being the go-between I felt like that was cruel yeah that's cruel to her I don't know when Anne started this job but that girl, I bet she never envisioned this. I bet she never imagined that she was going to be the go-between after the fallout of an affair. I'm sure that was not in her job description. I do feel for sweet baby Anne. And I have to say, I did put this on our Insta stories. It is the best thing I've seen on the internet in a while so we know that Anne quit. We heard that on the Vile Files. But Anne has since come out on her own Instagram. I don't know why she's in a cheerleading uniform, but I love that she <laughs> is in a cheerleading uniform. And embroidered. It, I mean, it looked like true embroidery. This is not like she just wrote this. It embroidered on this cheerleading uniform it says team ariana Anne gets it and i feel like it it's this is so confirming right it's like yes. everything that we already know and feel about tom like his own assistant is now coming out and after she quits and saying team ariana and i just love it me too should we elevate Anne to sainthood I think that there is definitely room for a, a St. Anne on this podcast. Yeah, I, I think so too, after everything she's been through. And I do think yes. it's nice to see her claiming Team Ariana, because I think on camera, Ariana, I get it. 
I again, I'm I'm Team Ariana here, but she actually comes off so direct, and I just think Anne being in the middle of that that must be really difficult. She kind of seems scared of Ariana. <laughs> yeah, bit, but I, yeah. I think it's it's like what is going on behind the scenes, like is that she's Team Ariana the whole time, and I think and so too. Kind of more hating what is happening from the Sandoval direction. So yeah, I, I, yeah. And as Sandoval has this like toxic sort of like trying to be the nice guy thing going on, which actually like is fucked up. Like him being like, why don't we just like see if she, we can put her up in a nice hotel so I can have my birthday party here. And yeah, that's like nice, but like also like go do your birthday party, not at the house. Yeah. The most Delulu thing that he said for me was, I mean, Ariana's welcome to come if she wants oh to. It's like, God. what? What? And I did want to make a comment about, he he said this very interesting thing to me that stood out um, in this opening scene. He said, I want to punish myself, you know, penance through pain. And that's what he was talking mm -hmm. about special forces, his experience in special forces. That is so like Tom to say something like that. It's like penance through pain. He, we said this last week, but that, that man, he, he is the hero of not only his story, but every story. And of course he would see his life through this lens of, yeah, you know, I want to go like get beat up. What about penance through making amends, Tom? What about penance through doing the right thing? What about penance through saying you're sorry without deflection and actually meaning it? What about penance through no longer disrespecting Ariana in, in the house that you live in? What about having some consideration for your circumstances with her and saying, you know, I really fucked up here. I'm sure that the last thing that Ariana wants is for me to host like a rager party for my birthday here like I used to. So that to me was everything we need to know about where Tom Sandoval is at encapsulated in this little moment. You know, yeah, he is making this whole journey. It, it's like his sexy penance journey <laughs> that's like I yeah. feel like that's how he thinks about it and that's how he views it is like it's like the hero's journey through hardship and trial to come out the other side and it's like you you are so delusional like that is not what is happening here and if you want to really own up to what you did you could have you could have done it without deflection you could have done it without blame shifting and blaming everybody else around you and just giving excuses and justifications for why you had to cheat on Ariana, but you didn't. You fucked her best friend instead, like Sheena said. Mm -hmm. And I've just had it. I've had it with that man. Absolutely. And I want to say, like, I think that Ariana every single day would be so open to any show from Sandoval of any kind of actual respect toward her and willing mm -hmm. willingness to actually 
own what happened and move forward in a healthy way from his own issues that brought this on. And yeah, I, I really do. I don't think Ariana is being unreasonable, but that is something that Sandoval is painting. And we heard Schwartz do that in the first episode, calling her sacred, whatever, patron saint of scorned <laughs> women. It's yeah. like, again, this she's not, I don't think she's being unreasonable at all. I, I do think that, yeah, some of her actions are like, there's anger there, but I don't think it's unwarranted. And I really do think, I'm not saying she would like open her arms and hug Sandoval and like, you know, short said to do it, anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I do think that she's really kind of has this thing where she's like, let's work this out. Like, show me the receipts. I owe you money. Like if you show me how this, how these numbers crunch, like, let's work it out. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out the house, but there's a stubbornness happening it it could look like Ariana's being stubborn, but Sandoval's actually just really being a child about every single aspect of this. And I don't think he realizes how quickly that would become easier for him if he like would just grow up a little bit and, and own this. So, yeah. And I have a counterpoint that I think Ariana is being petty and mm. I love it. Be more petty, girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I'm going to go on this rant for a minute here. Rant away. Thank you. So we, in our culture, we do not allow or tolerate women to be angry. We don't allow or tolerate women to be bitter. We don't allow or tolerate women to be petty, to be unreasonable. You know, Nick Vile said this on that unhinged podcast. And I thought this is a really good point. I don't love him, but this is a good point. He said, why do you feel like you're entitled to her reasonableness? Yes, Nick, thank you. Somebody needed to say it. This is three months after, okay? Three months after an affair in a nine-year relationship. I can be incredibly petty and bitter and unreasonable when I've had my heart broken, okay? And why can't we just allow her the space to work through all of the emotions that come up, the full range of human emotion that happens after a breakup, and especially a, a breakup that ended because of a seven-month-long affair and a betrayal. So this is not just nine years later, you figure out like, you know what, we're not really compatible anymore and we've drifted apart and we're going to end this as amicably as we can. That's not what happened. She was betrayed and humiliated and lied to by both of these people in her life and Schwartz as well. Not going to forget that motherfucker. He, there was a whole team of people lying and concealing this for months in front of her face. And so why can't we just let Ariana be bitter? Let her be bitter. Let her be petty. Let her have her anger. That's, you know, we, we would totally tolerate if 
Ariana was just crying into her pump teeny. We would totally tolerate if Ariana was just this broken little bird that couldn't get out of bed because she was so sad and she was so depressed. And and everyone would be like, oh, yeah, that oh, poor Ariana, you know. But the moment she fights back, we, it, we turn on her. And we can only let a, a woman win for so long in this culture before we have to tear their ass down. And I think that's exactly what is happening to Ariana. You know, after the breakup, she did have a ton of support online. She she got brand deals, all of those things, right? There was a there was a lot of like positive sentiment and support toward her. Now the the backlash is coming around like I knew it would. I knew it would. We can't let women do well or succeed for too long or get too far before we try to put them back in their place. And this came out in um, both the after show and the scene with Lala getting smoothies that I, I just want to mention really quick when Ariana is saying, you know, I am not going to cower to Tom. Let him make me feel uncomfortable with his loudness and by him being obnoxious. I, and then in the after show, she says, if I'm not a raging bitch, I'm going to get walked all over. And I think that is exactly right. I think that if Ariana does not assert herself, if she doesn't create boundaries, if she doesn't say, this is one of my favorite lines of the episode, I'm just going to keep existing the way I normally do in my own house. Thank you. Damn right, girl. That's right. Like you exist the way that you normally would in your own goddamn house that you also paid for. Okay. So I think it's okay to just say like, yeah, Ariana is being petty. She is being bitter. She is angry. She is upset. And three months after a breakup, yeah, she doesn't want him to have his fucking birthday at at the house. And I would be the same way. Three months after a breakup, where you cheated on me in a nine-year relationship and you want to have your birthday party at my house, fuck you. That's what I have to say. And I, I want Ariana to keep bringing this yeah. same energy. Keep bringing the same energy. Stay mad. I I don't mind it one bit. And I think eventually this is all part of the healing process. She will eventually work through the anger, the bitterness, the 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 feelings of pettiness she will work through that and she will arrive at a much better healthier place where she can peacefully say and really mean it because this is I think the evolution this is the journey she will get to a place where she really means it you know what I wish him well I wish him the best hope he does well in life hope hope he succeeds I'm done I I wash my hands of this. I'm done. But I think you have to work through those bitter, petty feelings first. Yeah. And I don't mind it one bit. I actually, I I completely agree with you. And I actually would, to add to your point, I think she's actually being very reasonable in her yeah, responses yes. to Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just think, I think she's just so smart and wise. And I actually think she's, you know, other than maybe potentially moving on to a relationship a bit fast, but 
I don't yeah. even know if that's for me to judge. I would probably do the same thing if that same set of circumstances presented itself. And I don't think Dan seems, is that his name? I keep forgetting his name, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. His name's Dan. But yeah, I think Ariana is being perfectly reasonable in her pettiness. And I completely agree with you. I think it's ridiculous to think that a a woman should behave any certain way that we think she should behave in, in response to these men or anyone treating them like shit and mm-hmm. belittling everything about them. Yep. I want to quickly go over like the Sandoval and Schwartz meeting. I, I actually enjoyed seeing Schwartz stand up for himself. And I actually clocked this quality in his voice that I have never heard before for Hmm. like a minor moment when he is kind of standing up to Sandoval and is like just all you need to do is just apologize stop Mm -hmm. trying to make excuses like this hurt my feelings that you weren't there for me you abandoned our restaurant and our project together and didn't help at all and I've been dealing with all of this on my own and then Sandoval of course tries to make an excuse and be like I think I should come back in I think that would help even though he's been kicked out of shorts and sandies Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like his physical presence but he took that and sort of just like hid away so in my opinion Sandoval totally abandoned shorts and shorts has every reason to respond the way he is and I thought it was interesting that I don't know if this anyone else did but the subtle shift in his voice and his body language towards Sandoval was like maybe he's making some inroads to breaking out of this codependent relationship I have very very little expectations and hope but it it was just interesting to see this very subtle different side to Schwartz I thought and then what I want to say about that really quickly is that in Raquel's podcast, Rachel's podcast, Rachel Goes Rogue, Mm. she shares that when she went to the Meadows for treatment, they had a landline that she would call Tom Sandoval on. And she was not able to use that all the time because everyone took turns on it. It, A couple of days would sometimes go by and he wouldn't get a call from her. When they would then speak on the phone, he would essentially verbally abuse her. He would be livid that she hadn't called him Mm -hmm. in a couple of days and said she was running away from all of her problems by being at the Meadows and trying to take care of herself. And I just think that's rich because that's what he did to Schwartz. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I did hear that clip too. I have not actually put myself through the experience of listening to that podcast. I don't think I'm quite ready for that, but I did hear that clip too. And I wasn't one bit surprised. I really wasn't like, I, I do believe Rachel, you know, I, I do believe what she's saying. And I think the, the Tom's scene, there's so much resentment there. Tom Schwartz is so resentful. Their relationship is so dysfunctional 
you know, Schwartz says he put in half a million dollars. And I felt like there was such, um, you know, when Tom's saying at the end, like, yeah, I think it would help if I, I go there, but look, I can't, you know, what, what can I do? I'm not allowed. My hands are tied pretty much. I think that that's just how Tom approaches everything. It's, it's like, Oh, wish I could help, but I can't, sorry. They, they kicked me out. What do you want me to do? And just everything is always someone else's fault, someone else's problem. Really the way that I see it and truthfully what I always want for Schwartz and something that's so personally triggering to me, which is why while everybody loves Schwartz, I've hated Schwartz for so long. It is so triggering to me to see a man with so much repressed anger who has so much bitterness and so much resentment toward people because he is a martyr himself because all of his anger is like just under the surface with Schwartz. And that's why Schwartz's anger, in my opinion, bubbles up the way that it does when he's been drinking too much or when he just like finally hits a breaking point and then it all spills over into this this nastiness these like terrible things he would say to Katie or you know even when he was like he would scream at Lala or he would scream at Sheena and call her a bootleg Kardashian and say she has nothing you know and that she is nothing and all of these types of things right it's like i just that is so triggering to me to see Schwartz be a person full of bitterness, full of anger, but it's all repressed. It's all just under the surface. And he can never rise to the occasion to say what needs to be said in the moment. He lets things come out sideways. Mm. And I, I think that's the way that Schwartz orchestrates his life. He, you know, he goes along to get along and which we also really see I loved this like birth chart scene with Allie and I really wanted more of that. Um, but we see, you know, she, she says you're the most Libra on a chart I've ever seen. Like you're the most people pleaser. And he was like, Oh, I don't like that term. And she's like, well, you know, Hey, but <laughs> like she's trying to play up the good aspects, but I mean, that is Tom Schwartz for you. You know, he's a go along to get along type of guy who's going to be full of, residual anger that gets repressed and that doesn't actually get expressed in a healthy way. Yeah. Our bodies as human beings can read people's real meanings. So when like when there is this get along to go along thing going on and people aren't clearly communicating with us before things blow up, we can feel it. Absolutely. And then when things do blow up like that, it's like not exactly fair. It's like, I think Schwartz has plenty to be upset about, mm-hmm. but you're right. It comes out sideways and it comes out at the wrong people. I think there's probably a constant tension inside of Schwartz. I think it's got to be a very hard way to live. I do have some compassion for it. I see a constant tension within him because he'll he'll kind of try to stand up for himself or he'll say something that might even be considered slightly confrontational but then he'll then he'll walk it back he'll always walk it back and he was yeah he was doing that with Sandoval in in the after show you know he 
I mean, he did it constantly in the vile files. He was like, I think what you're meaning to say is this, you know, mm -hmm. he's like, he's always the translator. He's always trying to reword shit for Sandoval. And I think he's always on in that, on that line of like, oh, I said something that I wanted to say that I meant to say, but now I need to. But it, it was scary. So I need to go back into safety zone. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like telling about his relationship, it's telling about Sandoval and to circle it back to the episode, like their, their time at the bar when Sandoval was like, no, listen to me. And Schwartz <laughs> was like, just take it, take what I'm saying to you. Just take it. Mm -hmm. and, and just I, say you're sorry. <laughs> just say yeah. you're sorry. And then, yeah. and then it was almost like he didn't back out of it, but then he was like, well, your birthday's tomorrow, man. And he went right back into mm. his voice thing. I just, I'm just saying, yeah. I don't know if anyone else is going to pick up on this, but, but me, but I, it's just interesting to watch him go through those switches because it's so yeah. obvious now that we know him so well. And there's been so much direct conflict between him and Sandoval at this point. Um, yeah. Should we jump ahead to uh, Sandoval's party and the fact that he invites James and Allie super casually? <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt like that was an, yet another moment where we can see the producing happening of like setting up a way for James and Sandoval to connect because it does feel sort of out of character that James would just be like, yeah, man, I might pop by. Right. That felt very like produced moment. <laughs> it was set up. James has to go film this scene at Tom Sandoval's party. You yeah. know, he, right. That, that was, that was what it was. And I really loved, you know, James kind of cutting to the quick with him. I mean, he walked, he did walk in there being like, we're not going to pretend like I'm just like chilling at your birthday and I'm one of your 12 friends or whatever. Okay. I was reading all of the, I think they're called Chirons, but I was reading all of the, the subtitles of the people that were at Tom Sandoval's party. And the, the subtitles we get are there's the guitarist from his band, the tech crew from Tom's band. I even saw Tom's vocal coach is there. So super, super interesting that these are all people on Tom's payroll, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I'm sure that they're, yeah, we've got Jason, who's the manager of the band. And there are a few people, like a few characters that we know. We see Billy Lee. We see uh, Kyle Chan, you know, people that have, are definitely in the VPR universe already. But I also wondered if at the be earlier in the beginning of the episode, when there's the compromise of how Tom is going to have this party, it's, you know, Tom is saying, well, what if it's like a small group? And, you know, Anne texts Ariana and she's like, it's going to be a small group, like maybe 12 people. And I, it, to me, I was like, is this a cover for the fact that nobody wants to be at Tom's birthday party, like the people that are there are, are people that he pays. And it was, it was a sad, rough party scene. I, I, I felt super awkward and I, I felt almost like 
bad for him. It was, it was really strange. And Allie, we do have to mention this. Allie is a better friend than Lala. Allie is a better friend than Sheena even. Allie was all of us in that moment riding in the car with James. She says, it's not too late to do this. We can turn around. And I was like, yes, Allie. Yes, that's exactly how I would feel. And the fact that Allie stays in the car and I absolutely loved her confessional. She said, you know, I'm, I've never like had a close relationship with Tom Sandoval and I actually really do care about Ariana. And so there's no reason for me basically to like push the issue. There's no reason for me to, to go to this party and pretend. And I, I just thought, okay, finally we have, we, you know, I, I always knew that Katie would be there for Ariana. Surprisingly, we see James being there for Ariana in the after show. James took up for Ariana more than anybody else. But it was so good to see Allie. Like, Allie is a real girl's girl for me. And I was kind of on the fence about Allie. I always thought that she was, like, perfectly nice. But, you know, didn't – it's like, what do we really have there? But Allie really hit for me this episode. And, I, you know, I'm okay with, like, seeing more of her. So it was good to see someone actually stand up for Ariana and be a friend. Agreed. And not just for a storyline. I felt like Allie was actually just getting dragged along because they were supposed to be at this party based on maybe their, you know, call time and shooting Mm -hmm. schedule that day. But she was like, I don't know for sure, but I, I, she was either in the car with James because they had plans after like personal plans or she had to go, but she was like, I'm staying in the car. Like. I'm not going in. And that felt very genuine to me. Whereas I do feel other than Katie, I do feel like Lala and Sheena, there's this like teetering thing where almost they feel an obligation to be on Ariana's side. But I think we've seen in some clips for the upcoming season and like in the after show last night that they're, they're not fully on her side or, or questioning some of her decisions and stuff, which is, that's allowed. I mean, we don't have to always like a hundred percent agree all the time to be friends, but yeah, it's, it's, I agree. I loved Allie's showing in this episode. She did amazing. And I love, mm-hmm. uh, it's Ariana's Bush too. <laughs> I know that was so good. Which, that was so good. Taken out of context sounds crazy, but it's literally <laughs> it a literal bush, like a plant just to clarify yes. is what she's talking about. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just loved when James is like, well, are you sorry for, for like betraying me when, mm-hmm. when Tom Sandoval's like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. I haven't like talked to you in a while. You know, that Sandoval kind of fixates on apologizing for not talking to James and kind of cutting mm-hmm. him out. And then James cuts to the real issue and Sandoval, what about him? Sandoval does yep. not respond at all to the question. And he's like, well, man, I think I was just really angry because, like, you and Kristen and, you know, James is like, don't even bring up 10 years ago. And Sandoval's like, it wasn't 10 years ago. And then it cuts to (laughs) footage of them 10 years ago at the reunion when James had slept with Kristen Doty in Sandoval's bed, which was a very, very long time ago. And 
sure, maybe that's something they need to like address as friends. But James is spot on, honestly, in this, in the end of this episode with his confrontation, cutting to the chase and then calling out the bullshit of how Sandoval responds. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just typical Tom, typical Tom deflecting, you know, typical Tom saying, well, you did this. And, and like Katie says in the after show, Tom is living in the history books. And I, I agree with you. It's like, there's clearly some unresolved shit that, you know, they they didn't probably work out at the time of James sleeping with Kristen. But I think it's all just pure convenience. It's like, it's so convenient for Tom to say, and and let's go back to the reunion, all three parts of the reunion of season 10. I mean, that was Tom's entire MO was, well, let's just bring up the past and bring up everything that everyone else did in their early 20s. Let's just focus on that and say like, well, you don't get to say anything because you did something similar, you know, years ago. That's not how life works. And it, James came there for an apology, never got it. And he, he never will. He never will. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I'm not one bit surprised. Not at all. Should we talk about, there are, there are some highlights I want to hit from the after show. There's like one main one really for me, or maybe two, maybe two main things from the after show. If you're not watching the after show, it is there. They are rich. They're like this one was like 20 minutes long. I don't know if it's a Peacock exclusive. I don't know if only Peacock releases them. I'm not sure. But don't sleep on the after show because we get, we're get we getting a lot in in those. I feel like sometimes we're getting more in the after show than in the actual episode. Yeah. But the some highlights I want to make, first of all, it's the scene with Lala, James, and Sheena, all three of them. And they're discussing the finances and the reasons why Ariana has or has not moved out. And the the thing I just really have got to get off my chest is Lala, like Miss, I'm about to pop off. Like Lala, I'm about to pop off Kent has, has some audacity. And, and she's got some balls on her. Lala sees other people's lives seemingly as black and white. Everybody else's life is so binary. She says in the after show, it's not complicated. It's actually not that complicated. She expects something from other people that she would never hold herself to the same standard. You know, Lala wants you to view her life and her choices through the gray. She wants all the nuance. She wants all the complexity when people look at her own life. She wants everybody to have empathy and compassion for everything that she's gone through. When it comes to other people's lives, I feel like Lala is so quick to judge and just say, 
you should do this. You should do that. It's not complicated. Why don't you just move out? I, if Lala also put $250,000 down on a house, you know, Ariana says like, I worked my entire adult life and yeah, she did. Like I worked my entire adult life to be able to put that money down. If Lala did that on, in a, in a house with Randall, I know that ocean complicates things, of course, but I just, I don't see miss. I'm going to pop off as being reasonable in a similar situation. Okay. If she was in the same situation that Ariana was, it was in with Tom. I don't see Lala being like miss level headed, so reasonable, so cool, calm and collected. Like, do not say that you are Ariana's friend, that you're in her corner and and then say it's not complicated, just move out. Why is no one saying that to Tom? Why is this all directed at Ariana? Why does Ariana have to be the one to give up this house? Like, why is this all dependent upon her? Why is, where is anybody pointing the finger at Tom on this? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think that there is a theme in this season where it's going to be Lala versus Ariana on some level. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of curious if that would be a produced thing, like a, like people outside of Lala producing that storyline a little bit. But I think the after show is interesting because we're meeting, we're seeing the cast respond after they've already filmed the entire season. And I think there's a genuine. Yep. Conflict within Lala toward Ariana that she just thinks Ariana is getting away with murder somehow, Mm. (laughs) even though that again, it's, it's, again it's kind of back to the the Schwartz thing of she's this ice queen you know and yeah I think that perspective is just focusing on the wrong focusing on the wrong thing focusing on the wrong perpetrator like she's not perpetrating anything so why is that so triggering to Lala and I think it's just because Lala went through a lot of shit and Mm -hmm. like I said last episode and didn't get the same kind of attention and brand deals and things like that out of the mix again as if Ariana like somehow masterminded this and so I think it's actually just coming from petty jealousy and I I do think she's allowed to have her feelings and thoughts about it but she does seem like she's talking out of both sides of her mouth which is why Lala is I think going to be uh difficult maybe to like watch sometimes this season mm-hmm I agree. I think I think you hit the nail on the head with like I think that Lala herself is conflicted. I think that's exactly it. I think that Lala internally is conflicted about how she feels about Ariana and I and I think it's because she's feeling like man, Ariana is getting such a pass on on everything. Like all of these things are coming to her. She she has so much love and support. But, you know, back when I was in that situation, people didn't treat me that way. So I think you're, I think you're exactly right. And maybe we can close on, because I feel like we have to mention that these 
accusations that Tom is making about the finances and that Ariana hasn't paid for anything in eight months. Um, Sir, where I'd like the receipts, like Ariana said, show your work, bro. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's see it. Show your work. Show me what I owe. And yeah, after someone has so destroyed trust, there's been so much betrayal. There have been so many lies. I wouldn't believe a goddamn thing that man said either. You know, the picture that he's trying to paint of, well, Ariana hasn't paid for anything. I think that's very intentional. Yes, 100%. I agree. And even if something financial, like a financial misunderstanding or things were coming out of someone else's else's account that I had a trusted relationship with, I would be like, send me the Excel spreadsheet because I think I also owed you money or like I was overpaying these days. So let's just like settle it up. But the only way you actually can do that for real, for real is, is literally crunch the numbers. And that's maybe forgive me, but I don't blame Ari again. I think she's being incredibly reasonable saying, I am happy to take a look if you want to send over the QuickBooks project or whatever you call those. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. complaining that he has to hire an accountant to do it. And I'm like, how messy are your finances? They're as messy as your room. And I feel for Ariana mm-hmm. because when she was thinking she was in a trusted relationship, she sent him countless checks for random sums of money that went yep. into that joint account that then became his that is you know, paying for their mortgage. So I, I feel for her because she can't quite prove what she paid, um, unless, unless he sends all the information, which sucks because it's in, you know, that demon's hands. Yeah. And this is just a cautionary tale. I really, I really feel that way. Like being in an arrangement like this has a lot of, potential dangers and downsides. You know, of course, when you are with someone and you buy a house with them, you do, you never expect for these things to happen. And, Mm -hmm. and yet life, life be life in. And so sometimes these things do happen. And I, I think that this is going to be quite messy and quite difficult for them to work out legally. And I, you know, we know from headlines, news, like that is what is imminently happening. You know, they, Ariana is trying to force the sale of the house and have them split the proceeds, which is exactly what I would want to do. But I think legally this is going to be kind of a nightmare and a mess for them to parse through all of these things, especially if Sandoval is going to retroactively say, well, you know, Ariana owes me all this money. So cautionary tale, word to the wise, protect, just protect yourself, you know, write up a little legal document, have a lawyer look at it, you know, don't. I just, I feel like in the midst of everything that she's had to go through, it's like now she also has this mess on her hands too. Yeah. So that's your tidbit for the day. 
before you buy a house with someone, <laughs> before you move in and occupy a space with someone, married or not, maybe drop a little legal agreement. You know, does it, it couldn't hurt. Sandoval claims he had to tour. That was on my list, but Mel. He, word for word, he, had in quotes too. <laughs> he okay. All he had to do again was hire an accountant, pull the pull the costs together, send like a little summary of like, you know, income and outgoing money and all of that stuff. But no, what he did instead to pay his bills because he's saying Ariana wasn't paying him is that he had to go on this, like he had to go on a tour with his band. He had to. He had no and how choice. how much did that tour cost, Tom? How much did that tour cost? You are paying all of your band members, the the crew who sets up and tears down. You know, I don't I don't know what all costs are associated with the tour, but it ain't free. It ain't free and it ain't cheap. And we've seen plenty of videos, maybe not you know, now I think, I think his shows probably are doing better now, but in the height of Scandaval, so I saw so many trolling videos of people going to these shows, first of all, with like signs for Ariana, but secondly, in, in really empty bars and concert venues. So Tom, I am, I can almost guarantee that this man lost money on that tour. It was all about him. It's all about Tom. It's about Tom. I think we're going to wrap up here. I wanted to just mm-hmm. quickly shout out that we have a couple of new believers coming into the fold who are starting Vanderpump Rules for the first time. <gasps> I have to admit, they're my personal close friends who... <laughs> Uh, who saw that we have a podcast, but they don't have a clue what's going on. So on that note, I just want to say, if anyone is happening to listen, uh, feel free to write us right in to our email address, which we'll drop in the outro in a second, or text us if you're our personal friend <laughs> um, <laughs> with any segments you feel you might need as a beginner pump head. We want to welcome all mm. into the fold, all into the chapel. And we we are here to help so we're 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 gonna keep kind of brainstorming how we can uh craft our episodes to meet the needs of our listeners so we welcome any and all comments and ideas so thanks you guys absolutely yeah send us an email at gospel of vpr at gmail you can give us any feedback you want you can send us a confession. You can send us a sarcastic prayer request. You can anoint someone and appoint them to sainthood. You can condemn someone to hell. Whatever strikes your fancy, whatever is laid on your heart. Yeah. Send us an email. We would love to hear from you. We really need more Instagram followers. I'm just going to plug that. So come and follow us on Instagram. Uh, We are Gospel of VPR there, and we will see you next time. We hope you had fun. We did, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, you guys. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed the episode and we hope that you'll come back and listen to our new episodes that are going to be coming out. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, please do. We are at Gospel of VPR. You can also send us an email, your confessions, your prayer requests at gospelofvpr at gmail.com. And if you want to throw some dollars in the offering plate, the proverbial offering plate, you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Help us spread the good news. That would really help us out. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Caleb Thomas Jones, who wrote and recorded the music you heard in this episode. He does so much more than Gregorian chant. So check him out on Instagram and wherever you stream your music. That's Caleb with a K, Thomas Jones. Oh,